Hi, everybody. My name is John McDonough. I'm with the Harvard Chan School of Public Health in Boston, and welcome to Health or Consequences, a monthly podcast on health policy in Massachusetts and beyond. I'm joined by my co-host, Paul Haddis, from the Tufts University School of Medicine. We like to bring interesting, compelling voices, some familiar and some maybe people haven't heard of who are doing important and uh, path-breaking work on health policy. So today, we are thrilled to welcome Ray Campbell. Uh, Ray Campbell is the executive director of the Massachusetts Center for Health Information and Analysis, that's CHIA, also known as CHIA. And they have an important and mostly not well-recognized role. And so we wanted to bring this, we want to bring Ray and Chia to the front today. And so that's what we'll be talking about with you and with Ray for the next half hour. So Ray, just to start us off, what is Chia and how did it come into existence? Well, thank you, John. Nice to be here. Uh, Paul, nice to be here as well. Um, CHIA is a state authority um, that was created in 2012 as part of uh, one of the periodic Massachusetts health reform uh, bills that uh, was passed by the legislature and signed by the governor. There's a strong tradition in the state, as uh, both of you well know, of um, taking health policy very seriously. We've been leading the nation in a lot of respects. Uh, every couple of years, it seems there's a major health um, reform bill that comes out of Beacon Hill. Uh, and in 2012, the legislature pulled together a lot of the different data and analysis functions that had existed at different agencies in state government and actually created some new ones um, and created the uh, sister agency, the Health Policy Commission, uh, and uh, they were both brought into existence in 2012. Okay. So, Ray, you sort of gave us a slight overview uh, of what is about, but how does it get its financial resources uh, to do what it does? Uh, CHIA is, an, uh, is funded by assessment on the uh, industry, so we get an appropriation each year from the legislature of uh, between 27 and $28 million, and then during the course of the year, we uh, essentially bill or invoice uh, hospitals, health plans, and ambulatory surgical centers for that full amount. Uh, there's a formula that um, you know, divvies it up, uh, and over the course of the year, that's all collected. So our activities are cost-neutral to the taxpayers, uh, fully funded by the assessed industry. Can you tell us a little about your background, where you came from, how you got to this position? <laughs> it's been a wandering path. <laughs> um, uh, well, my immediate prior, well, actually, uh, immediately prior to CHIA, I was at the uh, Group Insurance Commission for a short stint, thoroughly enjoyable, uh, was brought in by Dolores Mitchell uh, at the, towards the end of her tenure there. Uh, really interesting and important organization. R Roberta Herman is now there doing a wonderful job. Um, and then prior to that, I've been doing some freelance consulting. Uh, for seven years, from 2005 to 2012, I was the executive director of the Massachusetts Health Data Consortium, which is a nonprofit funded by really all the major players in the healthcare system uh, to work on healthcare IT and health information exchange projects. So that's kind of my recent healthcare experience. Mm -hmm. And so tell us about what are Chia's big responsibilities and why should Massachusetts consumers and people working in the healthcare system pay attention and care about Chia? What's important? What matters? That's a great question. Um, CHIA does something, and it's interesting that no other state has an organization quite like CHIA. A lot of our functions, you can find them done by one organization or another in different states. Nobody's really pulled it all together, which kind of surprises me. Um, what CHIA does is we measure the Massachusetts healthcare economy, um, lots of different aspects of it, and we do that to support better public policy. 
Um, so we measure uh, the financial condition of all the hospitals, uh, of the nursing homes, um, ambulatory surgical centers, adult daycare centers, lots of different types of organizations send financial information to CHIA. Um, we measure the, um, the total system in terms of the total healthcare expenditures, how much uh, the full size of the healthcare economy is, how much it grows from year to year how much we as a state spend on things like hospital services or on drugs or on doctors. Those types of <clears throat> basic metrics aren't available in a lot of other states. So CHIA creates the factual foundation that we think, that <clears throat> excuse me, that allows for better public policy uh, by the legislature and sort of better program uh, management and operation by agencies. Are there any states that are peers that have something <clears throat> similar to what uh, CHIA does or are, are we kind of a standalone one of a kind? We're really a standalone one of a kind in terms of the breadth of activities that we do. Uh, some of our major data assets, and one of the better ways to think of Chia is that we operate um, you know, half a dozen or more major data assets. And so, for instance, the all-payer claims database is something that we devote a lot of time and attention to. It's an important tool for a lot of the analyses we do. Uh, there's roughly 25 states that have an all-payer claims database. Some of them are uh, headquartered in the Medicaid agency. Some of them are actually private nonprofits. Um, but uh, so, so you can find comparable activities to what Chia does in a bunch of other states. But uh, we also operate six or seven other major data assets. And uh, you can't find another state that has that many data and analy analytic activities brought together in one roof, under one roof. Wasn't, wasn't there a Supreme Court case against all payer claims databases about three to five years ago that went against these databases, and is that an obstacle for you in doing your work? Yes, um, although actually just interestingly, there's a, a bill now being uh, proposed at the federal level that would address that very issue. But uh, yes, three years ago, the Supreme Court ruled uh, that the federal ERISA law preempts states from forcing self-insured um, uh, health plan, or uh, from forcing health plans as third-party administrators of self-insured plans from submitting claims data uh, for those self-insured um, accounts and so that so you get the fully insured data from those insurance companies but not necessarily the the, the self-insured where those insurers are just doing administrative functions exactly so it, when we look at the commercial market which is what we use the all-payer claims database for uh, a big chunk of the claims are missing those associated with um, self-insured uh, employers it turns out that's not as much of a drawback as you would think um, we have uh, other tools, as I said, for measuring the entire healthcare system, and the all-payer claims database is a poor tool for generating totals already because it doesn't include Medicare, it doesn't include Medicaid, doesn't include VA, doesn't include non-claims-based payments like episode payments or global payments, um, pay for performance payments. So it's really not a great tool for understanding totals, if you will. And so the lack of, uh, and, and we don't think that the world generally treats fully insured and self-insured patients differently. And so it does represent a significant loss of claims volume. Um, and if we were trying to measure the size of the system with the APCD, that'd be a problem. But one of Chia's most important functions, and this really gets at this issue of our multiple tools for doing jobs, one of the most important things we do when we were created with the Health Policy Commission was the state established a benchmark, a goal for how much healthcare spending should grow or, or a ceiling above which healthcare spending should not grow. And each year, CHIA measures the size of all spending in Massachusetts on healthcare, whether it's by insurers or individuals um, all across the system, and we measure how much it's grown. Um, a lot of people, other states have come to us and have said, how can you do that with an all-payer claims database? And the answer is we can't and we don't. 
We have other authority that we require the health plans to report to us um, much earlier in the year than we could ever look at with, with claims data because there's a long run-out period. Um, and, these health, and the health plans report to us on um, their full book of business and we're able to construct a measure of the, the, of the whole healthcare economy using this different tool. So anyway, it, we use different tools to create different measurements across the system. Ray, let me explore, you know, because you, you noted this when you said that, you know, you, you measure to help support policy. You mentioned the State's Health Policy Commission, which, as you yes. noted, came into existence at the same time. Um, how do they actually work in tandem? And maybe you want to start uh, using the, the cross-growth benchmark as an example. How, how do the two agencies actually work together? They, the policy agency, and you, the, the one doing the measurement. Exactly. And the two agencies work really well together. They were created um, to be sister agencies. Um, we do the data layer, and they do the policy layer. And any the any possibly duplication there of, of efforts, or are they really distinct uh, roles in your mind? I think you'd have to, if you're not thinking about it right, I guess you could duplicate. But uh, the truth is, uh, David Seltz, the executive director of the Health Policy Commission, is uh, tremendous, and uh, the two agencies have really good working relations, and I would say there's absolutely no duplication of effort. We do the data layer. We collect data uh, to build the basic metrics and measurements of the system. I'll give you an example. We've noticed in the last several years that um, healthcare spending cost uh, growth has moderated, um, and in particular, inpatient spending at hospitals has been very low, but there, the growth in outpatient hospital spending has actually been fairly brisk. Now, that could represent something that's uh, good, namely services shifting from inpatient to outpatient, or it could represent uh, possibly something not as good if it's um, ambulatory uh, practices being purchased and the services shifting uh, to hospital outpatient services. Well, we just created, you know, did a basic measurement. We, you know, uh, established that something was happening, and then the Health Policy Commission is going to look into the phenomenon more deeply, uh, potentially hold hearings, mm -hmm. gather more data. So there tends to be this handoff phenomenon that we generate measurements and metrics, things that are interesting and important. The Health Policy Commission then um, digs in a little bit deeper. Does it ever work the other way where the HPC is sort of first affected by a policy issue and say, gee, we really need to get some data on this particular issue. Can we turn to our sister agency, CHIA, and see if they can do a study or a dive into the data sets that they have to help us think uh, in a more uh, you know, evidence-based way about a question. Absolutely. That happens on a regular basis. They will, uh, we, uh, as the people who collect the data and have to validate it and deal with the data submitters, we understand uh, really better than anyone else what the data can and cannot support. And so we frequently get, uh, we sort of serve as data and analytic consultants to the HPC. Uh, they're very sophisticated power users of data, and so they have a lot of good questions. And so the two agencies work together um, at that level, but then they move on to the policy. Do level. other government agencies also utilize you in that regard, sort of as a data support for certain questions that they have, or is it really mainly the HPC that you work closely with? Uh, HPC is our probably our our, our most power, you know, is, is the most power, you know, the, the user we could most characterize as a power user. But no, we support lots of other, uh, the legislature, uh, each time there's a uh, proposal to change the uh, insurance coverage. Uh, there's what's called a mandated benefit review. So the legislature on a fairly regular basis looks into what it would be, you know, uh, for fully insured products, they uh, can uh, legislate and regulate um, uh, what's offered included in the, in the products. And so uh, on a very regular basis, we do mandated benefit reviews for them. When there are mergers and acquisitions in the system, we provide data to the HPC, but also to the Attorney General's office. Uh, we do a lot with uh, the Department of Public Health, uh, Executive Office of Health and Human Services, Mass Health. Uh, the Connector Authority is actually a major user of our uh, survey data. We do two uh, extensive statewide surveys. 
um, uh, that uh, each year we do one survey, but we have two different surveys that we do on a rolling basis and um, uh, about insurance coverage and what people buy and why they buy what they uh, do in the, uh, and the uninsurance rate in the state. And the uh, connector is a big user of that data. So no, that's really our role is to be a data role. provider uh, to other agencies. So Ray, we thought we would do something different and unique involving all of our listeners right now. And you have a terrific website with a lot of information and data and analysis available. So we want to ask all of our listeners, if you want to pull up your computer, your laptop, your tablet, can they use a phone as well to I go to I haven't tried your it site? myself, but it, we, it was designed could, to be optimized for mobile. Yeah. So we, as long as you're not in your car, pull out your, <laughs> pull out your phone and uh, go to the web and go to www.chiamass, that's C-H-I-A-M-A-S-S dot gov.gov, and we'd like, Ray, for you to talk to us dummies and sort of guide us to something cool and interesting that will make Paul and I and our listeners say, wow, I better come here more often. <laughs> okay, well, um, uh, let's see what I can uh, do. Let's go to the... Some of our podcast listeners are now there on the uh, chia.mass home site, Ray. So that's where they're, they're sitting right now. Or pause. Put, push the pause button on our show if you need to exactly. get it. But please, this will be worthwhile, we hope. Okay. Go right uh, ahead. All right. So from the Chia uh, homepage, uh, scroll down a little bit and you will see on uh, the right-hand side in a box a link that says Transparency Initiatives. That's under Other Topics. Under other topics, exactly. And so if you follow, if you click on transparency initiatives, it will take you to a landing page where um, there's really two things that you can access from this page. And actually, before getting to that page, I, sh I should have said um, the rest of our website has just a wealth of information about financial information and spending and prices and um, quality and lots of other things. Access. Uh, access to care, um, insurance and uninsurance, things, um, a whole range of issues. So what we've done by following this particular link is to look at Chia's more consumer-facing transparency initiatives. The other things tend to be much more used by uh, people in the delivery system or researchers or academics. Um, the uh, transparency initiatives that she is doing has been in response to the legislature's directive that we uh, develop more materials for consumers. So the first thing I would suggest people go to is there's a link to our uh, consumer transparency website called Compare Care. So in the text on this page, you can see a link to Compare Care. If you follow that, the first thing you'll see, I think, is a, is a splash screen uh, that uh, tells you uh, what to know about. Um, yep. I've never heard the term splash screen, Spot, but I think I know what you mean. Yeah. 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 And I, it's only the first time it, it'll come up other times. So it, it's not currently in front of me, but um, it's actually a really critical uh, thing. And it's worth pausing over because I think when the legislature directed Chia to create this website, there was a sense that we could create a shopping tool for individuals. And what we discovered in trying to build this site is that we have great access to um, information on what people get paid, uh, but we don't know what an individual will pay um, uh, for their own out-of-pocket experience. So we can see what a doctor gets paid for a particular procedure, um, but to know what you would pay when you go to that doctor, we'd need to know what insurance you have. <clears throat> we'd need to know what the status of your deductible is, if you've used it up or not. So we pretty quickly realized we couldn't tell you what you most need to know in order to shop, which is what am I going to pay. Um, however, your health plan can tell you that information, and by law, they have to. In Massachusetts, there's a law saying health plans must tell you the cost that you will 
uh, pay for, uh, for these procedures. Uh, so the first thing we wanted to do was not try to be competitive with the health plans, but work collaboratively with them. So the first thing you see is um, information that tells you you do have the right to access uh, an actual out-of-pocket cost estimate from your health plan, and we provide links to the health plans and to their cost estimators. If you go past that, you get to our actual cons uh, consumer website, and we have four different uh, primary uh, channels, if you will, and each one of them is represented by a colored box. So we have a cost comparison tool, that's the green box. Uh, we have a channel about quality. Uh, we always want to present quality information as well as price information. We think it's um, a bad idea to just look at raw prices and not consider um, all the other things that go into making good decisions about healthcare. So we have a quality channel. And we also always show quality information when we show price information. Uh, we have a, a, a channel for asking questions, um, or I'm sorry, a channel for uh, troubleshooting issues, an orange box. The purple box is one that actually really interests me. Uh, I think the most important thing we can empower people with is uh, the ability to have better conversations with their doctors and their health plans. Um, if you are going to, if you're considering having a particular procedure, say an MRI, you should understand what it's going to cost you, and you can get that from your health plan. But there's probably some questions you should ask your doctor and maybe even your health plan before you have the procedure. And we think that we're in a good position uh, if people are already on our website and searching information, for information about a procedure to also give them um, the tools they need to have an informed conversation with their doctor or with their health plan. So that's what that orange, I mean, the purple box is. So where do we want to go? So if we want to go a little deeper, you can click on the green, and that's the compare treatment costs. And here you get to um, the cost comparison tool. So we have... Uh, over 30,000 doctors included in this database uh, for about 300 outpatient procedures and also for maternity um, services. And you can uh, either directly enter a procedure if you know the name or the code for it. That's not as likely. So down below, you can browse by type. So you can see um, all sorts of different things, including um, office visits and ED visits and urgent care visits, um, lab tests and, and the like. Um, so which should we pick? Uh, let's go with uh, colonoscopy. I guess I don't know why that it's because it's a more major procedure than just uh, sort of for a blood test. Because we're all over fifty here. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's true. That's right. Uh, and you'll see you are presented with a screen that uh, asks you to confirm you're not a robot. Uh, you have to get past that. The reason for that is that we are exposing a lot of price information here. Uh, that is um, somewhat sensitive. Uh, th this is information about what the health plans and the doctors have actually negotiated for these various um, uh, services, and we didn't want to make it possible for people to scrape um, all of the uh, data um, behind this uh, site. So we created that uh, Are You a Robot warning screen. So anyway, um, when you get to this next screen, uh, why don't you click on uh, colonoscopy just to expand that. Yep. What you'll see, and one of the things we uh, confronted is there's lots and lots of different types. And it, for physicians, they describe them with a level of granularity that would leave most uh, consumers uh, somewhat befuddled. So we had to kind of roll them up into reasonable sounding buckets. And so uh, you, you do learn a lot about what it takes to uh, translate the complexity of the healthcare system into consumer terms when you build one of these sites. So depending on what type of uh, colonoscopy you're having, you could click on uh, that, choose anyone you want. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say I'm a non-high-risk individual having screening, so I'm going to click on that one. 
So the second from the bottom? Right. Okay. Right. Uh, so then once again, we hit you with the splash screen because um, we, we did work a lot with the hospitals, uh, the doctors, and the health plans, and their uh, number one complaint was they didn't want people being confused coming into the office with a price that they thought was somehow official. So. Once again, when you go to the actual price screen, we again hit you with that warning that this is not a price, this is not a out-of-pocket pricing tool. Um, so then what you'll see is uh, for that particular procedure that you've selected, um, uh, if you go down a little bit further, Paul, I think it'll automatically, no, I guess not, uh, yes, it automatically populates with uh, the lowest cost providers that do that particular um, procedure regardless of location. And you have the ability then to filter based on um, zip code or type of uh, which insurer you have, type of provider if you're only looking for hospitals. So, so, or the, so the lowest is Reliant Medical mm -hmm. Group mm -hmm. for $737. Right. And that's just, the prof that's just the professional fee I'm taking it? Or, or, uh, or is this giving me a total, a total amount that uh, the insurer and I together, depending on my insurance plan works, would somehow be <clears throat> responsible for paying? It's the full paid amount. So it's both the insurer paid and member paid. It's the, okay. what the provider was paid. And as to whether it's both the professional and the facility, I think in there, uh, there there's notes um, that indicate for any of these that have sort of a, that hybrid component, what, what's now, if in I, it. If I go to the bottom of the page, I see at least the bottom of this page that the Beth Israel Deaconess Hospital Needham is about a thousand dollars more, seventeen twenty-five. But that might not even be the the highest of everybody listed here, right? If I want to go to from the lowest and say who's the highest charging provider, right? I guess it says show more. I mean, I haven't specifically used this. Okay. But I could go through that to sort of find out. Yeah, it, yeah, it goes. Yeah, there you go. It goes all the way it goes to up the, more. Leahy at two thousand fifty-eight, but right. it goes. Yeah, it keeps going up. 20, keeps going up. Falmouth Hospital twenty-seven hundred thirty-nine. Right, it looks like they're slightly slightly more expensive than the Mass General yeah, Hospital. Right. So they win the prize, right? Yeah. So Falmouth Hospital yes. wins the prize for that. So this is Dude, a. Does Falmouth get pissed off or angry? I'm sorry that you're. Uh, Showing this? It's been interesting. We've not have received as much. Uh, we, we spent a lot of time um, uh, talking to the stakeholders and telling them what we were going to do. And there was, I think, a general um, reluctance because this has always been uh, proprietary information. But uh, people were grown up about it. So uh, we've been pleased. Uh, and you're very confident this is legit data. This is on the level and consumers can come and can get a really good legitimate sense of what the cost is on all of this. Yes, although when you say, um, the other thing on that Transparency Initiatives website that I would point to is we make all of the, well, not the payer specific, but essentially all of these price points we make available for download on an Excel spreadsheet on the Transparency Initiatives uh, uh, website. We think this is probably less of a consumer play and more of a researcher, um, uh, policymaker, or even the health plans and the um, uh, hospitals as they're doing price negotiations, they have more information to inform you know, their relative positions. So we think it's a good tool to have out there uh, that the system functions better with this information, but I don't know that it's a consumer play as such. I would also point out, our methodology is susceptible to some outlier things. Like if, if a hospital is out of like Falmouth Hospital, that price could be really high because there's a lot of people out of network payments happening. And so it could be that their normal payments, you know, whatever that is, um, are, are lower. But you see the number here is higher because there's folks vacationing on the Cape. They go to the hospital, although I guess this wouldn't be one of those things you would do on vacation since we're looking at colonoscopies. But um, there's often uh, different things like that that you, you need to look behind the numbers to understand well, the outliers. Good thing. I'm, yeah. 
I'm impressed. Yeah, wow. Me, me so, too. Paul, so it's, it's certainly provocative, and I think hopefully for our listeners, makes them want to sort of dive into the details. We've got but about me, five minutes left. Right. But let me, let me pull you back into a, a larger uh, set of issues, Ray, if I could, which is that, um, you know, you've been doing this job at Chia now for a number of years, and you've here, you know, talked to us about some of the interesting data issues. What have you really learned about the Massachusetts healthcare system? A couple of things that seems fascinating to you from uh, the role that you've had. What's what's in, what's really caught your attention? Um, this is sort of maybe an unusual answer, but I would say both from my time at the Mass Health Data Consortium, which was you know seven years, and it was working with really a lot of the same stakeholders, and my time at Chia. Um, it's the collegiality of this um, community. I mean, it really is remarkable. I mean, this is a world-class medical establishment. I mean, this is a, it's not like a backwater. This is a premier, um, you know, community, if you will. Um, and yet there's, uh, and there are fierce competitors, um, both in the provider space and in the payer space. And yet there's, it's never degenerated into, you know, sort of all-out warfare, if you will. And even on the policy level, if you look at uh, the history of health reform in this state, it's been just sort of one grown-up after another. It's been, you know, very little grandstanding, very little, um, you know, no partisan warfare. I mean, the, there's a long list of people that you could point to that have been really critical for, you know, why this state has the leadership position it has, and it would be both Republicans and Democrats. And I don't know, we've just been blessed. I mean, you look at what's happening at the national level, and uh, it's just so unlike that here. So I think, you know, really my biggest observation would be that somehow we as a state, as a community, have been able to approach healthcare delivery and also healthcare policy in kind of an adult fashion. So I hope that doesn't change. Okay. But have there been any data areas or measures that you've been thinking about saying, you know, in that policy space, in this competitive uh you know, academic and other healthcare market that we have, gee, it, it might be really interesting to pursue a little bit more uh, evidentiary collection or measurement here. And oh, if, absolutely. What would yeah. that be? Give yeah. us a couple examples. So shifting from the soft uh, skills uh, to the hard skills, if you will, um, I think we're, uh, we're really interested in and doing a lot of uh, very um, uh, cool work in the area of social determinants of health. Uh, this state made a major commitment a couple of years ago with a, a piece of legislation called Chapter 55 uh, to force state agencies to share data that's otherwise not shared for privacy reasons to get to the bottom of what was driving the opioid crisis. And we did some really cool uh, and exciting things using de-identified data, but still linking it and being able to follow people without actually knowing who that person is. Um, and we're now trying to apply that uh, those techniques uh, to look at social determinants of health. Because if you want to understand somebody's health care, you need to know their educational circumstances. You need to know do they have access to transportation? Have they been in prison? Do they have a behavioral health problem or a substance use problem that a different state agency is treating? Uh, but you don't want to infringe on their privacy. So I think some of the most interesting and important work that she is doing now is trying to find out without, <clears throat> without infringing on people's privacy, how we can tap into that information so we can both understand the social drivers of some of the problems that we're confronting, and then also uh, when we measure the system to be able to take account of those social factors and not just look at only medical things that are really just the tip of the iceberg. So the social part. What about in, in the spending space? One of the things that's interested me, for example, is I know that there's a lot of focus on the total medical expenditures coming up from various primary care groups. Anything uh, there, especially about learning about when you see that number, how some of that spending maybe doesn't necessarily come from their system, but comes from care outside of their system to sort of give us a little bit more detailed look at, at some of those TME figures, as they're called. 
Uh, there's definitely that information available. I think TME is, is, the, is something that more and more interest is going to be paid to. Um, uh, the Health Policy Commission is really, um, they sort of, I think we establish the basic metrics and then they tend to, when they bring folks in as part of the uh, performance improvement process, um, they will have deeper discussions about those types of issues. So uh, Chia establishes some of the facts and then uh, the HPC the HPC could dive in to get a little bit more detailed look at what's, under, what's underneath, uh, let's say, uh, somebody's particular TME overall spending. For exactly. That's just okay. what they do. Yep. Okay. So Ray Campbell, Executive Director, Mass Chia. Thank you for being with us. Thanks for taking us on the journey on the website page. Um, I'm John McDonough, accompanied by my co-host, Paul Hattis. Uh, we'll be back next month, and our guest will be Amy Rosenthal, Executive Director of Healthcare for All. Ray, pleasure to have you with us today, and thanks, everybody, for joining us. Appreciate your coming, Ray. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you.